Welcome to Between the Vines. My name is Kevin Martin. I'm here with Jennifer Phillips Russo. We're the Lake Erie Regional Grape Program. Uh, happy to be with you again. It's been a while. We tried to get a podcast up uh, promote, about our virtual conference. We just were not able to deliver that content to you. Uh, but that is a hybrid event, so hopefully you've heard about that. Uh, the virtual part of it is over, but it is not too late to register for that conference, the in-person part of that event. Uh, you can register for separate separately. And what do we got going on, Jen? When is it? What are we going to cover? Yeah, thanks. Hi, everybody. Yeah. So our in-person conference is located at SUNY Fredonia, the State University of New York at Fredonia in the Williams Center on March 16th of 2023. So that's coming up in 15 days, almost two weeks. Yeah, that's a Thursday this year, just in case you right. were expecting to see us on a Wednesday like you always do, but that is a Thursday. Thursday this year, and a great opportunity not only to get research-based information that is geared towards our grower base, but also credits if you're looking for the elusive pesticide applicator credits, although I say elusive recertification credits, and they're not so much with our program. We intend to give you lots of opportunities to gain those credits. And here is yet another. However, this differs from the virtual ones, obviously, because it's in person. You get to see a lot of the people you haven't seen in quite some time, especially at least since harvest, when things start picking up and getting crazy. And you get to meet a lot of the researchers who are actually doing research that is important to you. So that's why we put these together based off of our grower advisory committee. Here's my plug to get you to join the grower advisory committee and help influence what the talks are about at these particular programs. So we get together with growers and industry representatives to find out what's important to them and what they wanna learn more about. And these are results of those meetings. So again, March 16th, I wanna give a little bit of a rundown of what's going on at this year's conference. We are able, and I just wanna double check my numbers. We are able, we've been approved from New York State for 3.5, pesticide recertification credits, and that's categorical. Kevin, do you know what we were approved for, for PA? Uh, I don't have it off the top of my head, but I know Wait. we applied for, um, it was either seven or eight, I believe. So I'm just trying to look to see if I actually have it in there. So we will, we will start at eight o'clock in the morning that Thursday at the Williams Center. Uh, so if you've been to one of our, of our conferences, I'm sure you know sort of the lay of the land uh, and the uh, we're, we're not just going to cover pesticide credits but it is very well sort of integrated into the show this year um, because one of the things we wanted to do was introduce uh, we're going to say new faculty even though some of them aren't actually new at all uh, but in terms of an in-person event a lot of them are going to be new to this area uh, obviously uh, they're, they're sort of newish faculty, and a lot of them got their start right before uh, COVID lockdowns or during COVID lockdowns. So there are a number of faculty that have never had the opportunity to make it to our conference. Uh, so their uh, presentations will be a little bit abbreviated compared to other faculty that are presenting, because one of the things we really want to do is make a whole bunch of connections uh, so that you know who those resources are, what they're working on and are able to work with them when collaboration makes sense. Right, and just to add to that, when we reached out to all of the new faculty who we invited to join us, it was 
specifically for them to listen to our grower stakeholders to see what their concerns are to help maybe mold what their programs can do for us. So it's really beneficial for you to be there, use your voice and tell them what you're concerned on. We'll have Katie Gold, Dr. Katie Gold, sorry, who is the Cornell grape pathologist will be there. Dr. Yu Jang, who is the Cornell Systems Engineering and Data Analysis. He's going to be there to talk about what he's doing and how it can apply to you. Dr. Jason Londo, you've known him to be on our, as well as Katie Gold on this program, the podcast, talking about um, his cold hardiness and plant physiology, grape physiology that he works on in his program. We will also have Dr. Alejandro Calixto, who is the director of New York State Grape IPM program. We'll give an overview of what his program does and he really wants to hear what our grower base needs from them. So I think it's a great opportunity for everybody to get your voices heard directly to the researchers and help maybe form what their labs do. The uh, regulars will be there as well giving presentation or at least some of them. We've got Brian Head and Dr. Greg Loeb and Dr. Terry Bates. So sort of the faces that you've come to trust and know and um, they will also all have an opportunity to present at the conference. I should also add that um, I don't want to leave out Dr. Lynn Sinoski because she is very important to our group with her. She is the weed scientist for specialty crops. She's also going to be there and I know some of us some of you out there listening have already had some collaboration with her with our honey vine milkweed that we have went out and dug out from your vineyards and she's actually working on them in her greenhouse to see what works best to eradicate that or at least help manage it. Yeah, and last but not least, but he doesn't really fit into the mold that we sort of described as, um, you know, categories of speakers. We've got um, Rob Chancia. And he does not fit into that because I don't think he's familiar to most of our growers, but he's doing some really important work with Dr. Bates on imaging. So we've got the opportunity to invite him and have him come out uh, from the Rochester Institute of Technology to give a talk on that imaging science. We will, thank you, Kevin. We also have- um, oh, So that wasn't last. We've got no, one. Not. We also have Dan Olmstead. So right. I had the privilege of watching Dan Olmstead and Alan Lasco give a talk on weather patterns in the apple production across New York State. And after that, I approached them to see if um, he'd be willing to do the same thing for us in grapes. So Dan Olmstead is the um, senior extension associate talking about understanding the changing of weather and patterns on grape growing. And he is the one who is sort of the lead on the NUA website. So he's taking a lot of that information straight from NUA and did some data analysis on it is going to present what he found just pertaining to our grape growing. So I'm excited to see that. So I do for now, for real, we have it covered. That was everybody. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. There's a lot going on. So. There is. There is. So um, we certainly want you to hit up lergp.cc.cornell.edu, register for that event. Uh, in the upcoming events. And if you've done that before, that should be very straightforward, but that's where you can do it. Uh, but also we did wanna take some time this week and talk about sort of what's going on in the world. And uh, I think Jen and I have some pretty different topics, but it's been a minute. So we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna cover this stuff and, and hopefully uh, it, it speaks to what you're seeing out there in the wild and uh, helps you make some decisions as we, as we get closer to the growing season, it, it 
it's a little general, but um, it's what is happening now. And um, it Kevin, is I have to backpedal first. What's that? I have to backpedal first. Okay. My heart sunk and I'm feeling awful because one of the one of the talks that I am most looking forward to at the grower conference is our very own Brian Head. And I don't I said Brian Head. Did you? I did. Oh, thank goodness. Brian Head and uh, Terry Bates and um, okay, I don't see it, but Greg Globe yes. uh, are the three that I am sure most of our regional growers that are located in the region that come to our conference are very familiar with. So, um, no, I would not, certainly not forget Brian Head. I thought I had, so thank you for not forgetting him. Okay, moving on. So there's been some macroeconomic news and uh, in general macroeconomic news as it pertains to the grape grower is a little bit boring, but um, what we what I did want to sort of more specifically call attention to was sort of some of those macroeconomic trends and I say some because you know you can pick what you're measuring and you'll see two different things uh, are 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 evolving and with that so too are some of the specific conditions that grape growers and the juice grape market um, are dealing with so we're sort of co-evolving with sort of the macro economy we're, we're doing this at the same time and the 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 trends of 2022 are giving way to some slightly different trends in 2023 and we're we're both moving in the same direction. So basically what that means is inflation, of course, is still a very big concern, but inflation looks quite a bit different now than it did a year, year and a half ago. And the way it looks different is if somebody tells you that something is more expensive right now because of um, an issue in the supply chain, they're probably just saying that. It doesn't, it's not actually true anymore. And there, I'm sure you can go find one product randomly somewhere where that's not actually the case that, you know, there's actually a supply chain issue because something happened somewhere along the chain. But most of the inflation we're seeing now is actually demand side inflation, which means like people want to buy stuff. So the price is going up. It is not because there is a lack of supply in the market and it's, and that demand still exists, but the, the sort of that supply side inflation has has tempered a lot. Um, so the good news is hopefully that means things are a little less wild, you know, like Roundup going up 10x while you know, most other things like powdery mildew materials stayed almost the same. So hopefully things are less crazy with this demand side inflation. The bad news is it has a tendency, at least historically, to be a lot more persistent. Like it doesn't go away. Like when we talk about the 1970s and 1980s, that's what was going on then. The, the type of inflation that people couldn't shake. The economy was sort of stuck with it. Um, so that's the bad side. But the good side, side of that is it is also moderate, moderating. Now, what that means, though, is it does seem like there are some indications that inflation is still tracking at higher rates than what, say, the Federal Reserve would want but it is moderating and we're seeing that in the juice grape market too where it looks like at least in food and, and beverage in general consumers are responding to higher prices so you look back at 2022 you see the producer price index a basket of things that uh, a grape grower or a 
and these are not actually the people that the government is focused on, but theoretically, whoever's building something or making something, they're, they're producers, right? And so their costs are going up and that producer price index reflects that. You might be less familiar with that measurement. Um, that, that was going like crazy in 2022. And so how did National Grape uh, Growers Co-op and grape growers and all other industries deal with that? They just raised their prices and consumers just in 2022 didn't care. And now they care. And so does that mean the price of grapes is going to fall? I, I, that's the first thing Jen asked me and it's like, <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> like, let's no idea. I am merely observing the trend, right? And so we don't know if the price of grapes is going to fall because we don't know if these processors or if juice grape growers uh, are going to continue to need to raise their prices to meet their expenses because as this consumer price basket has moderated so too has the producer price now like i said things were pretty wild last year so if we start to see individual prices of individual things still put pressure on producers if they affect different parts of the market differently that's where you could see a problem like roundup is very important to agriculture and really not so much important at all to construction. Um, so we're, if the basket, if the average tends to moderate back down to maybe three, three and a half percent over the next six months, but you have sort of these outliers, then you could see some issues with people using current prices to cover ever increasing costs in those very specific areas. So that could result in, in lower prices or the opposite could happen and it might not go in that direction. But but certainly sort of the blind, I'll pay whatever for whatever um, in the grocery store does seem to be moderating a little bit. I like how you said that. So how would that apply? Like I'm trying to think of my home life and yes, things in the grocery store are a lot more expensive. So we are making adjustments as a family onto our what we buy and what we don't buy. So I don't, I don't need to single out your family, but in 2022, as a consumer in a grocery store, you didn't make adjustments. And no, I don't, but now I am. I don't mean you specifically, but people did not make adjustments. Right. But like now I'm starting to make those adjustments. And just, just what you were, at least I thought that's what you were yes, saying. That's it. absolutely true. I mean, just, just because you're doing it or someone else is or isn't doing it though, it, Oh, because certainly there were people in 2022 that are like, Kevin, what are you talking about? Like, I stopped buying eggs. It's like, yeah, you might have, but nobody else did. <laughs> right, not everybody. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Right. So what does that mean? And as far as what would you suggest people, do they need to modify ways they spend money are grape growing or no? No, I mean, not really. I mean, I think, you know, I think it's all about trying to predict when there is a, so, so we can certainly say um, we are not in a trough in terms of grape pricing, right? We cannot say that this is the peak because the prices haven't gone down yet. So, so you don't know if you're at the top of the mountain ready to fall off a cliff until after you've fallen off the cliff. <laughs> um, but obviously when, when you don't know how high the mountain gets, right, as you, as you continue to ascend, you're always, looking for, um, you're always looking for that cliff and whatever grape growers do with that information to help them out, they can do. 
Um, so that's that's really what we're trying to observe. And you know, what would I do? I mean, I really wouldn't do much. Um, th this is this is like saying, remember ten years ago when grape juice was sort of two dollars for sixty four ounces, and now it's I don't know depending on the brand, let's say it's four to five. And um, when they try to get above five, they see consumer resistance. Well, that doesn't mean it's going down to four and it doesn't mean that the cost of trucking is gonna double again in the next six months. So, you know, trying to say that sort of the free, you know, the wild west of 2022 when it came to prices, even if that completely ends, that doesn't mean that you know, prices won't stay at $400 a ton. It doesn't mean they will. It just doesn't mean they won't. So I don't think you can react now other than to say, you know, I've started to see some some assumptions made by people that are growers that $400 a ton is, is somewhat close to a, a medium-term benchmark for price. So like they're making you know, if you're a grower that's making 10-year plans based on $350 a ton, that's that's pretty aggressive. Um, I think we knew that was aggressive three years ago. I think most growers, if you would ask them, even now, most growers would say that was aggressive. But I would have cautioned throughout all of this that $350 a ton as a 10-year average for Concords is pretty aggressive. Um, that's not to say that it won't happen. It's just to say, based on our experience with what great prices do and the type of volatility they experience, um, that that just seems like I wouldn't make plans based on something that aggressive that, that resulted in obligations that required me to reach those prices. Okay. Um, you know, the, the other thing that we're seeing, and this is, does not relate to grapes at all, though, is that uh, the Federal Reserve obviously is trying to get rid of this inflation, and that's sort of 50 to 60 percent of their job right now. Uh, and the other, the other part of their job is employment. And the one thing that jumps out to me, and we'll get some more information pretty soon about February, but um, one of the things that they're concerned about is lots of jobs because creating lots of jobs is is a real driver of inflation and that sort of unexpectedly happened in january and it hadn't happened since really last july um, you know if you look at august through december it's not like we had bad jobs reports they they didn't look like a, a recession but they didn't look like the economy was way too hot and so at the interest rates that, that they target, they started reducing the amount, the amount that they were increasing those at all of their meetings. And then January came along and was like, bam, we're gonna hire a whole bunch of people. And I don't know what drove that. And I don't think they know what, what was driving that. I mean, you can drill down into the report and see what industries are driving it, but it was very unexpected. And so I think February will give us some good information about where Fed policy will go. And uh, we need that information if we are producers like grape growers that are participating in the market for um, uh, loans. So that's really 
there's some other reasons you'd use that information, but primarily for loans or for fixed income investments, which might relate to cooperatives and the interest rates that they pay to their growers. But, um, you know, it's, it's not directly related to grape growing, but it, it's probably an important thing to watch if you are, particularly if you're growing your business. I'm trying to quickly pull up because you were talking about pricing in regards to um, spray products and chemicals and which reminded me that we need to let our grower base know of a program we have coming up. I don't know if you are needing your pesticide applicator license or someone in your operation does, but we are offering a course here again. We did it last year and we had a great turnout. And it's not just for grape growers, so anybody who is looking to get their pesticide applicator license, we're having, his name is Cameron Bishop, he's from District 9 and the New York State Department of Environmental Conservation come down and hold a preparatory exam class, like you need to take it the first week, which will be on March 23rd from 10am, let me get us out of the way so I can give the exact details, 10am till noon will be the prep course. So there's a $20 fee for that course to come and it will tell you, also there are credits available for that if you need some recertification credits. It's gonna be sort of like core training to let you know how to spray, when to spray, what the rules and regulations are, the label is the law. It will prep you to take the exam the following week. So if you're interested in getting your pesticide applicator license or know someone who needs it, Please go to our website at lergp.cce.cornell.edu on the events tab and you can register for it. It's called 2023 NYSDEC How to Get Certified Course. Yeah, so that's $20 for the course. I believe when you register, you could pay for that online, uh, but you do pay at the course for the exam the following week if you need to take right. the exam. You and so that, for that, you pay the D, you pay New York State DEC. You bring a check. Bring a check in. You have to have a valid a valid photo ID. We do have a notary who has to be here for that as well, and they will um, take your money to come in to get your entrance to the exam when you come back the following week. There is a link on that website to the Cornell Bookstore so that you can get the proper materials you may need if you don't have them to help you get through the exam. Portion of the exam is open book, so that's help extremely helpful. And you also will need those materials to help you prepare. Don't think it's like you're, when you went to get your permit and you didn't even study and you showed up to try to take the exam, you're, you're not gonna be successful. <laughs> At least not anyone that I know was successful. So again, we have that preparatory exam and how do you get certified course on March 23rd with the exam following the next week. Register, register for it on our website. There is another program. I think we've given them enough of that. Let's just talk about buds. I've had some people call me and ask me a little bit concerned about the weather and the fluctuating temperatures that we've had. We've had some beautiful days where it's gotten a lot warmer. I've had pictures sent in of sap flow from large cuts on their vines while they're out there pruning and worried that um, things are really going fast and if we can see some damage. So talking with Dr. Jason Londo, and he was one of our guests at one of our previous, I don't know if it was the last one that we did, the last podcast that we did, Kevin, 
or the one prior to that, but we did talk a little bit about this in touch base. Yes, when the soil warms up, it does push that sap flow and water through capillary action up through the trunks. The buds are safe at that particular, at the temperatures that we're at right now. We can discuss that shortly. There is the potential though, to see some trunk damage. That's if like the weather were hovering at 55 degrees, sap was starting to pull up through the vine and then all of a sudden plummeted 50 some degrees to get within a short amount of time, then any of that water that had pulled up into the trunk could potentially freeze and expand and cause some damage. I don't anticipate it coming. We had a, a bad drop like that around, what it was around the Christmas holiday where was it a 60 degree swing in temperature or something like that? Something like that, yeah. It's crazy. That definitely would cause trunk damage if the soil was warm enough and there was capillary action, which there was not at that time. Should that happen now, you could see it. If by chance it happens, please reach out and let us know because we would like to track that and then possibly um, look into doing some research into that in the future. The buds at these temperatures are okay. We are definitely coming out or deacclimating, and I have written a couple a newsletter on it and some crop updates. That's again in this week's crop update, showing you where our numbers are at. But definitely, if you're concerned, go to our cold hardiness monitoring website. The links are in our crop updates. You can even just Google Cornell cold hardiness monitoring, and it'll take you to the website. And there is that new predictive model that's out there and you can basically click on where you are, choose the cultivar that you're interested in and see if there's a possibility of damage there. All of our LT50s, which is the number where about approximately 50% of the buds that we collect and measure scientifically die. So that could, you can then think about that as a measurement out in your, like if we get to there, you could expect approximately 50% damage and nothing, even our tenderest would be cab franc right now. And that's at negative 2.3 degrees Fahrenheit. And we're not getting close to that in any of our forecasts that I have seen. Right. So yeah, Concord is negative 7.8 at this point in time. What's of Niagara's are definitely coming out and they are deacclimating at a fast rate. So for instance, last week, Concord was hardy to negative 11 degrees Fahrenheit. So to go from 11 to um, almost eight, we lost three degrees in one week. So it is happening at a, at a quick rate, but we still have all of March to get through, so. Yeah, do you have any questions? Uh, it seems like it's, I don't know. I'd have to go back and look, but it seems like it's a few weeks early. It is. Um, but that, especially from cold hardiness, I, you know, it's very hard to try to figure out if that would actually matter until you actually have the cold event. Um, right. The, you know, those sound like very unseasonably cold temperatures by mid-March mid, mid for sure. Pretty unusual. But I, you know, I think growers are also concerned with what does this mean for bud development? And right now, I, you know, it doesn't mean anything. But but we know that, you know, once they deacclimate, then things happen, so. Right, and I'm trying to hold that off because how fast is that going to happen? I don't know. We've had years where 
our bud break is getting a little bit earlier. Let me pull it up and just give you that historical. Kevin, say something funny while I'm looking, pulling that up. Well, and you can, you know, that the model will sort of start to give you an indication of what that curve looks like. So as we deacclimate, you can see, um, it, because I think the most concerning thing would be if you're worried about uh, sort of buds pushing and then sort of a spring freeze of the bud, um, not necessarily winter in injury, you're, you're waiting for that to completely deacclimate. And, you know, honestly, if you don't want to go check the the model yet, you can also just look at the weather report. And as long as we stay in the 30s and 40s and we never get below or above that, then you know um, that without extreme temperatures, you don't have an issue. So, you know, it's something you can check when there are some more extreme temperatures in the forecast in both directions. Right. And I thought about for this crop update, although it is a bit early, but I know people are a little leery of it and starting to think about it. We do have, I put it out every year where you have your critical temps and at the stage of where your bud development is, what you, what temperature you kind of have to worry about. I'm looking at our historical weather, phenology, sorry, historical phenology on Concord that goes back about over 40 years we have data on this. And you can find it on our website as well. It's under the historical phenology tab at lergp.com. But April 19th was one of the earliest recorded bud breaks that we have. It's March 1st. When we say bud break, that's when there is a lot. So all of that water we were talking about that is sucking up through the vine and starting to reinvigorate the vine and get, you know connect the vascular systems that, um, puts that water into that living tissue and everybody knows that water can freeze. And that's really what we're, we get nervous about is the more water that's in the living tissue, the more chances there are for it to freeze once we hit those temps. So. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put that in the crop update this week because yeah. you look at the 10 day forecast and yes, I, I mean, I do understand why growers are sweating a little bit, but it, this is like some long-term sweat. So try to ignore it for a little bit because like when I look at the 10 day forecast, the absolute low is 23. So if that's right, we know for a fact there's not gonna be any winter injury in the next 10 days. And the absolute high is uh, 35. So we know there's not gonna be a whole lot of deacclimation. Like, yeah, there's probably gonna be a little bit here and there, but it's not gonna be dramatic. So right. not to say that that forecast is right or that things can't happen after those 10 days, but that's the data we have right now. You know, seven degrees difference between the high and the low over the next 10 days. <laughs> oh, sorry, there was a little bit of feedback that you had, so I was trying to shake that off while you were chatting. Thank you for that. Okay. All right. Uh, yes. Thank you all for joining us. We'll see you at the conference. Remember Thank to register. Yep. If you have anything you want covered here, please feel free to reach out. Give us some ideas for a podcast, and uh, we'll see you. We'll see you soon. Hopefully next week. Have a great week, everyone.